Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I sit down to discuss the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we start off with the gospel reading and talk about the impact it has had on our lives, um, how it is interpreted within Christianity, and sometimes why it is uh, forgotten or left aside in some Christian circles. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain, the community, check out theruined.com. drcrpod.com is a place to go to find other episodes of this podcast or wherever you, whatever podcatcher you found this episode on. Uh, if you would like to pick up a copy of David's book, Desolate Beauty, please go to dreamwalkerway.com. Uh, we are also having an event. If you're listening to this the week this episode is released, we are going to Coaz Book Store to have a book signing event on March 11th. Uh, we will be there from 10 a.m. till noon. And the address to Coaz is 317 North Main Street in Las Cruces. So come say hello, hang out with us, get a signed copy of the book, uh, whatever you might need. And uh, it's a wonderful used bookstore, so there's a lot of stuff to to look around and peruse. Uh, also, we are releasing American Sign Language translations of the book. If you head on over to YouTube and search for Dreamwalker Way, Dreamwalker being one word, you can see the first two uh, sections, Alpenglow and Skylight. And uh, later this week, we'll be releasing Mirage. So lastly, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Burge, David Morrison. Dorian Mason of the Desertia. Happy Valentine's Day. Will you be my Valentine? Uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this on February 14th. Shout out to St. Valentine, patron saint. Something. Of epilepsy. Oh, I thought it was chocolate. And beekeepers. Uh, or beekeeping. Did he get flayed or something like that? Wasn't it? Did he? I thought something like that. <laughs> I just looked or at burned the- burned alive <laughs> or something. Well, let me just, let me step half a step back. That's according to Wikipedia, so he might not have anything to do uh, with epilepsy or beekeeping. <laughs> that might be an inaccurate statement. Did he get killed by arrows, or, or he shot the Cupid. arrows, or Cupid uh, came, sorry, came, my... came to life and and uh, hit him with a couple arrows, gave him the the hard eyes emoji. <laughs> um, but obviously, if we're recording this on Valentine's Day, it's not going out on Valentine's Day. This is a a March edition podcast. Um, and But uh, in February, we posted a um, episode about the Beatitudes. Um, and we thought we would continue on. Uh, not They're not necessarily connected per se. You can listen to them independently, but um, sort of continue a conversation around the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so... David, you're going to give us some of the gospel reading, and we'll we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah. So this was last Sunday's 
gospel reading, you know, for those that follow the liturgy. This is, I think, uh, so there's the Beatitudes and there's the first part, which was salt and light. And this is the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth address. And then next week is the uh, don't worry about your life. Consider the lilies of the goddamn fields. <laughs> I think that was the exact Greek that he that, said. That it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll double check with our uh, uh, translator. Yeah. So this was last week's, last Sunday's, a couple days ago, the reading. This is Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, 38 through 48. And he says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, uh, offer him the other as well. The one down below. <laughs> the nether cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and, and, take you to, uh, and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who asks from you. And don't refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sins rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those that love you back, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? Which I guess in our day would be the lobbyists, right? The political <laughs> lobbyists, the lowest of the low. Uh, doubt any of those, that crowd's listening. Yeah, they're definitely not listening to this. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, uh, what more have you been doing than anyone else does? Don't even the Gentiles, that's so racist of Jesus to call the rest of us Gentile, called us Goyim. Uh, Come on, Jesus. Don't even the Goyim do that. Be perfect, or uh, another word would be complete, completed. Uh, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfected or perfect, complete. So, yeah, there it is. Yeah, we're, um, I mean, there's so much to dive in there. Yeah. What feels like a good starting point for you what what you know in 2023 what yeah that passage what's profound to you obviously it's all very very heavy and, and meaningful but yeah well it tells me that he gets us <laughs> i had to mock that anyway uh jesus uh jesus had a, a marketing team that was playing with a billion dollars put out a super bowl ad two didn't they have two i, I think, think so yeah two. i've been yeah. seeing them on reddit too <clears throat> trying to convert us us <laughs> pagans on reddit so uh which is funny because the people backing them are uh totally political they're political groups the hobby lobby guy well it's funny because <laughs> i saw someone post like tax the church yeah and even before i knew it was like those ads didn't come from a church they no came, they no. came from private entities who are taxed <laughs> it would have been a great super bowl with the commercials <laughs> if the church of satan had run an ad too you know like you know uh, they did. It. Satan was evicted they from did. his home. It was, he gets us. It was the halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing red. That's hey, a sign. <laughs> she was pregnant. She's grooming that child. You know, that's what the I could just hear the conservatives <laughs> saying that about her. Uh, anyway, yeah. So it's 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 definitely. I think we mentioned it with the Beatitudes. 
that the that uh, there's been different approaches, which I think is is rightfully so because uh, I think Jesus's teaching are meant to be wrestled with, right? And we still wrestle with them. They're supposed to be questioned. Yeah, you know, I think I said Sunday it would be would have been easier if uh, you know if all we had were uh, Paul's letters, and then we can have some nice. Uh, creeded out Christian beliefs, but then Jesus comes <laughs> along and, and contradicts all of our uh, Christian history, pretty much. Right. Uh, violence and power and, and material wealth and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, so it's always been a wrestling. I think I mentioned in the by the medieval, the, the early church, this was life and death situation. This was mm-hmm. how to deal with the oppressor. Uh, which would have been the Roman Empire mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, Gandhi, who was uh, Hindu, uh, took uh, the Sermon on the Mount, resisting evil in that way uh, through passive resistance. Uh, he allegedly carried uh, the Sermon on the Mount written out in his on his person, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And then Martin Luther King Jr. with the civil rights movement in the in the sixties, the same thing. It was so, you know, it was a passive resistance mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so you had that, and then, but what do you do if you're not, you know, oppressed, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, how do you deal with that? And so by the medieval period, they kind of said, well, that's the job of the holy people, the monks. And the nuns, they they yeah, they lived this state. out for yeah. us, for the rest of us, and then the Protestants came along and and just denied it completely, and just said, "Well, Jesus is setting you up for failure. No one can be perfect. Mm. Uh, you have to have grace, and you have to have justification by grace." And so, so then it got completely ignored, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so my position of it at this point in my life is, it's just you have to wrestle with it, you know. Yeah. And I don't think you can. Just say, well, I'm a pacifist. On the, well, you know, I'm anti-war. It's uh, it's easy to say you're a pacifist when you live in the the safest country. In exactly. The world. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of an escape of the real work that you have to do, yeah. the real confrontation yeah. that needs to happen in your soul. So so there, yeah. So I can easily walk around and say I'm against, and I have, you know, you know uh, I'm an anti-war person. But then there are people like Putin exist in the world and I'm going to, am I prepared to tell people in Ukraine that they can't defend their, their own sovereignty and way of life? I'm not, well, I'm not ready to do that. And I'm also an American. I have cultural baggage and, uh, and I, the few times that democracy has actually been tried in the world, I'm a fan of that. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there is something in me that, the the best place for a dictator is to end up in a bunker and you know and taking himself out. <laughs> <laughs> so so I wrestle with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's one thing I can say. Well, I'm I'm a pacifist, but then there's the other thing. On, do I insist that I'm right all the time in every argument? Mm. See, that's where it really comes down to. Are you a dictator in your relationships? Exactly. With people? Do I? How much do I need control? Which is all of us. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where we're at, right? We, well, that's we our demand ego. our personal rights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's the, you know, most of us are that way. Uh, we, we have these demands. And, uh, and when we're in a conversation with someone, um, 
we're usually loading the next torpedo of the mm. argument that we're going to make rather than actually listening to them. Right. And it doesn't matter what the topic is. And you can go the, just, just to, you can go the other way too and be a pretend martyr and yeah, a, a yeah. pretend victim Same thing, yeah. in, in a situation to, to boost, you know, boost whatever your ego has, yeah. you know, whatever role your ego has, has, um, yeah. latched onto. Yeah. I, I'm not going to disagree with you because you're going to push your own way anyway. And so it's the way it's been, you know, right. Yeah, so, some Eeyore shit. <laughs> yeah, so it's so so really it comes down to the, that everyday uh, surrendering of your of of the rights that you demand for yourself and 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 especially the right to be right. I I must be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I think we've hit on that before. Well, I think too. Um, I mean, this is a, a a little bit of a sidestep, but you did you did mention it this idea of wrestling with these ideas, right. And, and yeah. wrestling, you know, so, so we're talking about the sermon on the Mount yeah. specifically, but any idea that seems, uh, this, if you, you sort of evaluate your life and evaluate your, your ideas and your beliefs and blah, blah, blah. And the yeah. ones that seem untouchable, like this, will always be this way. Those are the ideas, in my opinion, the most growth have come to me when I've looked at those ideas in my life and questioned them. Yeah. You know, tried to look on the other side and be, okay, well, not everyone agrees with that. You know what I mean? It, it, um, so why doesn't everyone agree with that? Why, why do I have this opinion? Yeah. And, and, and sort of, you know, I think they call it, what are they, strong manning or iron manning <laughs> Yeah, the straw. Yeah, the straw man <laughs> argument. You set up a fake uh, argument. Well, the straw man right. is you. You set up the weakest argument. Right. The, so the opposite of that, where you or actually even a red look, herring. you look at the best argument. Right. Of against what you believe and sort of you know evaluate that and see because there's going to be some truth in it, right? Exactly. Um, because there's truth on on any just about any argument. There's probably some you could yeah. come up with, but. Um, most arguments there's there's truth on both sides of the different opinions yeah just in in, in a personal relation uh, a married couple mm. uh i like how you brought it back to valentine's day <laughs> <laughs> i'm just joking and and let's say it's a you know it's a female and a male uh married couple uh so and let's and let's take the uh the stereotype that the male partner leaves the toilet seat up okay and you know and, and of course the allegedly puts it down uh it was the cat and so so the times so, so the wife may argue you know you never put the seat back down you jackass mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and he's and he may argue back i do it every time and it's actually possible that both are right because of confirmation bias, hmm. she's she's only going to remember the time the the couple of times that it was lifted up. Mm-hmm. He's only going to remember the the times he put it right. down. I got it right, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and both are actually right because uh, that's where the memory's at. Exactly, yeah. and so or or you know another uh, you know McDonald's. He's you know this 
chain that's everywhere. Uh, you're not going to remember when it was clean. You go to a McDonald's, you're mm. not going to remember that your table was clean. But you will remember when it was left dirty. And, and well, how many, so. Well, even, or just a bad experience, right? Like, yeah. you could go to, even, we don't even have to talk about a specific restaurant. You can go to a hundred restaurants yeah. and have mediocre service. Yeah. The ones you're going to remember are the ones that are really bad. Exactly. Or if you had a really good experience yeah. somewhere, those are the ones that are going to stick out in your mind because something that's different is more memorable. Yeah. So so these are just basic sur uh, surface level yeah. examples, but take it a little deeper and your first impression of someone and you've already made a massive judgment on that mm -hmm. person. Uh, and so, you know... Um, to look again, you know. Mm. And so that's what Jesus' teaching does. It destabilizes you and your positions. And that's where you're supposed to be. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process rather than a, a final decision mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And so that's, so, so allow the teaching and the spirit of Christ to uh, continuously destabilize you, destabilize what you've, been thinking and what you've decided and all that yeah and, and i and i think um that idea of of um obviously with some things in life you have to come to a final answer and make a choice on something right right like so there are you know we're not there's obviously times in, in your life where you, you got to make a decision right and you got to yeah. you got to go one way or the other but i think some of these these spiritual um they, you know, cause I, I just, so like going to the, the like suing thing or even the, you know, striking someone, um, yeah. if I get cut off in traffic, I get pissed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and there's, and at the, on the, on the long things, there's no, when someone cuts you off in traffic, there's no continued consequence, right? It's not like right. you got in an accident, right? It just, it's, it's not, you know. But in that moment, you get heated. Whereas if someone physically hits you or, you know, takes you to court and sues you, there there can be some like long, you know, yeah. long um, term effects on your life in some way, shape or form, you know. Yeah. And, and so for him to be like, you know, well, you just you just, you know, turn the other cheek or, you you know, or, or you know, hey, oh, they want they want to sue you for a thousand dollars. Give them fifteen hundred. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it's like, well, shit, Jesus, I don't got fifteen hundred to hand yeah. out to someone. Well, yeah, and I've I've been in arguments with pastors who literally counseled uh, uh, battered wives to stay in the marriage mm. under that teaching, and the other one, you know, against divorce, and uh, it's irresponsible. I'm sorry, it's just mm -hmm. you can't. So again, you can't just turn it into a set of rules mm -hmm. uh, to either be ignored on one end or followed to absolute detriment on the other. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's gotta be, you know, uh, to, with each circumstance that you're in and mm -hmm. people don't like that because it destabilizes you. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you know, to tell, and you know, and the church did this right uh, for, for centuries kept uh, battered women in, in bad marriages under the guise of this, you know, and it's just, that's bullshit. Sorry. And, you know, and if God would judge me for that, I, I don't want to be with that God anyway. 
You know, that's like being with the God of, uh, well, anyway, so, uh, yeah. Well, and I, don't I get think all riled up and spun up, <laughs> but I, <laughs> you know, and we have, you and I have definitely addressed this in the past, but it's so much easier to have a set of rules, yeah. you know, and have that black and white, um, you know, because, uh, as a human being, it's just the less choices we have to make, right. The less yeah. capacity we have to use using our brain. Cause we, you know, we simplify things all the time. You know what yeah. I mean? That, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about that first impression. That's why we have first impressions yeah. because it's just less work for us to like yeah, reevaluate. Exactly. I don't need to look at this person ever again. Yeah. When we, when we meet someone, um, and, but that's not how life works. Yeah. Life doesn't work on a set of rules, right? Like, um, you know, even if you look at laws, you know, it, it, yeah. and this just the United States, right? You don't, you don't even have to go outside of a country, right? We can just stay within the United States. There's 50 states and, you know, something simple like marijuana laws yeah. are different in just about all 50 states. You know, some of them have some overlap, whether it's recreational or medicinal or neither or both or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, so even just traveling state to state, you can have different situations, you know, yeah. in encounters with police officers when it comes to something just, you know, as simple as, as marijuana or even alcohol, right? Yeah. Some places you can't buy oh, it yeah, on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Some places you can't buy it until a certain time, blah, blah, blah. Um, there should be 52 states. Anyway. So <laughs> Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, what, are you going to leave Guam out of this? <laughs> they could vote on it, I guess. I haven't heard rumblings from Guam. Um, but yeah, so the way I look at it is this is a picture of what the heart of God is, the intent of God, the kingdom of God. Um, and I take it as um, it, it's not that Jesus was trying to be God-like. It was that God has always been like Jesus. So it's it's a radical Unpack that a little bit. thinking. So so it's not like Jesus was this really good guy that, you know, mm -hmm. was uh became godly and, and had a godly teaching, but it was more uh it's more radical than that in the mm -hmm. incarnation. I always go to that, mm -hmm. the incarnation. So God has always been love and cannot be anything other than love. Mm. Uh, and so, so this is the blueprint of God's heart. Uh, and, you know, and people, I've had this discussion with people, particularly in the prison, when I was doing prison ministry, I would, I would ask them, I would say, uh, would God, would Jesus or God, you know, it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. right. I would enter. And I would say, uh, would, would God... Um, command you to do something that God doesn't, isn't willing to do, uh, himself, herself. And they would say, well, no, I said, so what is, what does Jesus command about enemies? Well, to love them. And then I would nail them with, well, then what does God do with Satan? And they're like, you know, uh, you know, just to throw that out there, right. you know, and, um, and so, yeah, so this is Judea, uh, or our Jewish vision, this ancient Jewish prophetic vision of the world to come, mm. uh, which is, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before, Isaiah's mountain, the holy mountain of Yahweh, where there's no killing, uh, there's no competition, uh, 
living beings don't have to depend anymore on other on the life of other living beings to continue living. Mm. That's that's the you know I saw a video on Reddit uh, this morning of a I think it was a stork, and it had to choose which uh, hatchling baby to get rid of. To sustain the others, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was a heartbreaking video. Yeah. I was like, no, picked one up and threw it out, you yeah. know. And I yeah, was yeah. like, dang, nature's a bitch. Nature, uh, <laughs> that's it's so funny because <laughs> I think I, I think my mom I, considered I, doing that with me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, that that's yeah, it's nature's just so hardcore. It's awful, like, yeah. You only have to watch about three or four videos yeah. before that idyllic uh, state of nature. Yeah. Uh, can be, you know, of you know, nature being in nature is great, but there's also like tooth and nail, like survival type things. Yeah. Like we're, you know, so that's, here. that's the vision. That's the vision that Jesus is preaching. It's the, as a Jewish prophet, he's, he's, he's envisioning and bringing forth this world that is to come into the now. And this is how you can live that world, the values, the ethics of that world, the heart of God now in this world. And again, I think it, comes down to very small things, mm-hmm. allowing yourself to be destabilized and then wrestling with it. And asking the question, not so much like, am I right? Who's right and who's wrong? Stop asking that question and ask a different set of questions. Like, what is love doing to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, what has love done to me? And I'm talking about the love that dispossesses you and wounds you. Uh, I'm not talking about the, you know, the Valentine's Day Right, 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 right. Kind of stuff. <laughs> there you go. I did that, huh? But, but yeah, real love where you, uh, you know, a, sac- a mother's sacrificial love for her child, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of love. Um, you know, I'm seeing it, we're seeing it play out in real time of uh, over 40,000 people dead in Iraq and Syria and an earthquake and friends and neighbors and strangers digging, mm-hmm. frantically digging people mm-hmm. out. Uh, you know, that's, so what has love done to you? What has love done to me? What is love doing through me right now? Um, and so, and that's never an easy answer, right? Well, never. And, and it can, in that kind of love, it never, it never goes away right like exactly romantic so. love like that kind of stuff can fade right but this yeah. this idea of like an unconditional or destabilizing love um it's sort i don't know what would be the right it shows up on your doorstep unannounced right like right it's, yeah, not it's like very you, inconvenient it's not like you choose like oh i'm gonna do unconditional love today exactly um yeah yeah there's no you know, it's self-help course you could take for this. <laughs> there's there's not no an law off switch. Yeah. There's no moral ethical code that you can, you know, say this is it, you know, um, because it's going to be, it's going to be different. Well, and even that um, it's funny because you can do things of service. We've, we've talked about that a ton on this podcast, this idea of service, but within the last week I've had the opportunity to, uh, do some things of service and some of them like in the grand scheme, like in the scheme of my life are very small. Actually, probably all of them are small, but this one, you know, the one I'm thinking of is, is even, you know, relatively small. No, but the, the interaction I had with the other person and watching them light up about something 
so small or insignificant within my realm yeah. of life and and see them you know for lack of a better word um overjoyed with with that you know that very quick interaction we had um was it was just a good reminder of like oh yeah like when i'm so focused on my life and like what what i'm trying to get or yeah, what, like my what, goals and what i quote unquote need you know i was i was having a conversation with someone recently too about needs versus wants right and like sort of what western society tells us we need right um which a lot of a lot of those things are actually wants they're not needs you know yeah. at all you know um and just being reminded going back to this idea of service just being reminded of like um you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this, um, the way I can form it in my brain is like, uh, maybe it doesn't take someone being suing me, right. For me to be, you know, part of that, that thing he's talking about is, is generosity, right? Yeah. Like I could step into a place of generosity without being sued. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, that that doesn't that example doesn't work out. Anyways, um, because that generosity might not seem like much to me, and at the end of the day, isn't much to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how it's going to impact the person I'm being generous to, um, or or stepping out of my comfort zone yeah. to assist in some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know. I th- I'm rambling now at this point. No, it's. You know, it'll it'll definitely set you up for failure, and I think that's what it's supposed to do. Uh, mm. You know, it's the, the spiritual journey is a, is a journey of a million failings mm-hmm. as, as you move forward, and that's not a very popular idea. You know, people want to accomplish, they want to win, they want you know, uh, they or they want to just bypass it altogether and just say. Uh, well, that's just works. It's not grace, you know. And oh, works see, don't count. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. Well, and two with the the this idea of failure is scary too, um, where it's not even about or someone can even like not worry about the failure. Well, they're so worried about the failures that yeah. the the accomplishments don't seem worth it, right. and so they just stay in this like quote unquote safe yeah. bubble, right, yeah. where you can. Um, the idea is to avoid both, exactly. right? Just it's more convenient that way on a day, you know, on a day to day basis. Yeah, sort of idea. Um, one of the things that uh, stuck out to me while you were reading it, and I, I, I'd be interested on on sort of your take, and um, but the, when you were when you read it, and you got to that idea of perfection, and mentioning like being complete, you know, versus versus. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. You know, you made that distinguish. Um, I was just wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that and, and kind of your understanding in and around that. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, when the when laws came, if you want to call it the Ten Commandments, even though the Ten Commandments are not called the Ten Commandments right. in you know in the actual Bible, you know. Uh, it's a good movie name though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but when the yeah when the series of Levitical laws and Jewish laws of uh, of all sorts of how to organize a society came uh, 
came down, which they claim came from Moses directly from right. God, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and there's even some that were lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he lost his temper. Right. And he threw them. Uh, well, if you look at where humanity was before these laws, and I'm not, I'm not talking about just the, the Jewish laws. I'm talking about, uh, you know, in Mesopotamia and that, mm. that area. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, revenge was, was mm. quite the, quite the thing, you know? So, so let's say you, uh, offended me in some way, especially my honor in some way. Well, I kill your whole village mm-hmm. kind of thing. And there was no arbitration. And so, you know, they stepped in and said, no, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Right. Uh, because it would keep escalating. Yeah, exactly. You would, I would do something to you. You'd do something a little worse. Exactly. Little worse. Little worse. So it's to stop that kind of, the cycles of violence, mm-hmm. cycles of retribution, uh, and so so if you want, some people would argue that was God intervening in mankind, giving the law, so to speak, to and it was a tick upward, right? Mm-hmm. And so so Jesus is. Sermon on the Mount is is an invitation to t- to take it to the next level, uh, mm. and so that's that's kind of the idea. And, and almost, in, almost and, like a graduation of sorts. Yeah, in Buddhism they call it the turning of the Dharma, the wheel, the, the mm. turning. So it's another uh, ma- you know major revelation kind of thing. So I you know I think it could be argued that that's what's happening here. So therefore, be complete, be perfect, as the heavenly Father is perfect, kind of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, add, add, uh, love to your ethics. And now you're no longer trying to just be a good person mm. and be a righteous person because righteous people are dangerous often. Right. Well, uh, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this idea of, of like in your relationships needing to be right. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I think of righteousness, that's what I think of, of someone that has, um, they've come to some kind of conclusion. Yeah. Right or wrong, whatever, um, and then just just digs their heels in and and proves that, yeah. And some you know sometimes it goes to extremes, right? Where you're actually committing violence to prove these yeah. things, or or planning to do violence exactly to with anyone with a different idea. So yeah, so because um, that's funny too, because it's kind of an inward, maybe de-evolution is the right word, but sort of that inward. You know, we're talking about revenge, right? It escalating, yeah. escalating. But, you know, righteousness kind of is an internal manifestation of that where it's like, yeah. you know, you want you do a little bit worse to prove your point. But in your mind, you're justified. Yeah. You're in the right because this belief is so important yeah. or this idea is so important. You know, and sometimes you get sometimes through the process of failure, you get a, an opening and. And, you know, and love does something amazing through you and you're, mm-hmm. and you're blown away by it afterwards, you know, uh, I think I've used this example before, but there was somebody that was going to come see me. They wanted to visit, visit me. And I hadn't spoken to this. I was, we were at odds with each other and, and it was, uh, a longstanding kind of feud, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, um, and not just with him, but his whole family kind of thing, you know, so. So, uh, so I'm wrestling with it days in advance. I'm like arguing in my head and feeling these conflicted feelings. So right. those are my failures, right? I'm going through the string yeah. of failures and, and, 
and feeling very destabilized and what do I do? Uh, feeling how, you know, and scheming, how can I get the, the leg up? How can I have <laughs> power in this situation? Get the last laugh. Yeah. And how can I score points? That was, the, the you know, how, if I say this, I can score that point, <laughs> that kind of thing. And no, and then also knowing that that was wrong, right? Mm. So being in so this total conflict for a couple of days, and then uh, it was just crazy. And this was this is what grace does, I guess. Uh, so so was, you know it was like half an hour before the appointment, and I was brushing my teeth, and and this revelation came. Just focus on one thing, which is how can you serve this person mm. today. Not for a lifetime, not for, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is they're coming to see you, how can you serve them in that? And, and that became a focal point in my, with my monkey mind going, wanting to score points and be right. Uh, and, and just focus on that one thing. How can I serve this person? And it worked out pretty, you know, it was a good exchange. It didn't solve everything. Of course. It didn't, you know, it didn't. Uh, reconcile our whole families yeah. and you guys aren't best all, buds. No, today. we didn't go on long windy walks holding hands after that or anything. So you know, I don't want to paint it as the the answer to everything. I'm just saying that was one moment of this process of of uh, you know of of learning to give up your your small rights. You know? Well, it's funny too because that's. Um, it's not as profound as that, right? Like, I, I think that that's an important point that you just made. But even in the recovery world, we talk about like one day at a time, right? And like yeah. in early recovery, sometimes it's like, just don't use for the next five minutes and reassess yeah. after that, you know? And, and if somehow we can, you know, obviously it, it's like, uh, oh, what's the word? Sort of the pop the pop thing like oh be in the moment be in the present moment you know right, what I mean? right. which is true yeah that is true and it's become very popular but it it it's so easy to say yeah and yeah. so hard to actually yeah, exactly. like to actually like live a life where even you know even if you know for 30 seconds in a 24 hour period yeah. you can be present to this to this moment but it really does come back to that you know yeah. what i mean like the you know um I think that's how it, that's my theory anyway, right now, is that as we commit to our failures, continuing to go forward, how can allowing love to do what love does in us and failing to do that and just continuously going through that journey of not knowing where you're going often, mm. not knowing what to do. Yeah. Uh, I think eventually it becomes, and we've talked about this, what the Jesus prayer is supposed to do to you it becomes an automatic mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. So love becomes eventually automatic in the way that your body, your bodily functions. I mean, aren't you grateful that your mind doesn't have to remember to breathe? Right. Uh, it's, it's so the mind, there's parts of our minds that think the whole world depends on mm-hmm. its thinking, mm-hmm. but how much does your body do that does not require any kind of mm-hmm. conscious awareness or thinking, uh, well, just the whole probably, sleeping process. Probably 98% of your body, right? Yeah. Its functions don't need your thinking mind, yeah. your calculating mind to tell it what to do. So I think that's translated to love, to spirituality, to the gospel, 
to the spirit in us, spirit working through us. I think that's what ends up happening, an automatic response of, of love eventually. Well, it, um, it might have been you, but I can remember hearing someone talk about it in a sermon like, I'm grateful I don't have to think about digesting my food. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm glad that I can, I can sleep at night not worrying yeah. about my heart beating, my, my lungs, you know, breathing. Doing their thing, yeah. <laughs> Even when you walk. Right. <laughs> this is, this um, is, yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing because it goes back to that, you know, the, the question, you know, how much do I need to pray every day, Jesus? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's just like all the time. And like, if you're not in a place of prayer, that seems overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, how could I even pray all the time? But if you start with like, you wake up in the morning and you say a prayer and before you go to sleep, you say a small prayer, right? Yeah. Eventually, you know, if you, if you just start from there and then grow it, let's say 1%, eventually you'll be in a place where as you're walking, prayers just sort of yeah, they just start to going flow through, through they you, find you know you. what I mean? And that, that's one thing I've noticed um, just from living here at Desert Rain. You know, I, I feel like I was already on that trajectory, but, um, you know, just walk, you know, walking around here or even, you know, we, we kind of have a drive to get anywhere, right? Like it's yeah. not, you're, it's, nothing is around the corner. So even like in those moments, you know, you know, we know about some accidents and people that have yeah. passed and like passing those spots and, and just it'll click in like, Oh, like just start praying for the families. I have no idea who the families are. Right. I've right. never had any sort of interaction with them, but just sort of slipping into that. Like, Oh, I, you know, I hope peace of mind is, is around the corner for them. I hope, you know, I hope the grieving process has yeah. been, um, you know, being able to mourn and being able to be in that, that place of sorrow and, and just being looked after in some way, shape or yeah. form. Um, which, you know, 10 years ago would have seemed like a ridiculous thing on a certain level. Yeah. You know what I mean? And today it seems like the most natural thing that, um, you know, if someone reaches out and is struggling with them, whether they ask for prayer or not in their struggles, just taking 30 seconds yeah. and being like, Hey, you know, God, whatever, whatever this is, like, be with them and, and allow that, you know, coming back to this, like allowing your unconditional love to be with them as they go through this. Um, and not necessarily asking for an outcome because that's how I used yeah, to pray, yeah. right? Like, Oh, this, make sure this person is cured or make sure this person is, you know, cause I don't know what the outcomes are. Or even the argument that this prayer that you're praying right now needs to have some sort of pro produce to it. Some, Needs to produce yeah, some kind of tangible. Yeah, 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 no, no. Yeah, having enough humility to know that, like, I don't, I don't know what's best. I barely know what's good for myself. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's only on on certain days. My mind can yeah. get there, you know. So to so to then let my ego think that I know, you know, like if I'm praying for you, that I know what's best for David Morrison's life. Yeah. That that's the craziest thought ever, right? Yeah, because we and, don't even know what we need for our own lives. Yeah, and so you know, and so to just like let allow that ripple out to the rest of uh, yeah. to the rest of my interactions and the rest of my prayers of being like, um, you know, that, you know, we, 
I know it's not just in recovery, but you know, we, we have an emphasis on that idea of God's will, not mine be done. Right. Cause when I show up to a 12 step program with my, the way I've processed the world for however many years I've been drinking or using, um, I for sure don't know what's best for me. Like I have tangible things around me I can point at. Um, so to then think I, when I'm praying, I immediately know what's best. And now that I have a little bit of time, it's like, Oh, it's not just when I'm, I'm using alcohol destructively. It's like most days, I don't know what's best for me. Um, therefore I, I, just about every day. I don't know what's best for another person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just, but also trying to be able to support people with wherever they're at. Yeah. You know, if I can see someone making a bad decision, it's like, well, I can, I can give them my two cents, but to think that that immediately is going to change the way they interact with the world is yeah. just, it's just, it's crazy making on the level of thinking I, I have that much power in someone else's life. Um, but Sometimes I think I have that much power in someone else's yeah. life. You know what I mean? And so it's like just going back to what you said, those continuous failures. You know, I've, I've given unsolicited advice a lot, Yeah. you know, and luckily I have people in my life that are like, will remind me like, hey, I don't want your unsolicited. I wasn't asking for advice. I was just talking to a friend. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. my bad. Let me let me reset into the, the listener perspective. So um, and I failed a lot. Right. And yeah, that, exactly. that's kind of how I got some of these insights. Yeah, it's always through the process of failure. Um, you had a couple of quote. We have we have about fifteen minutes left or so, and you had a couple of quotes, um, that you had brought to the to the table as we were bouncing around this topic. <laughs> Five minutes before we started. Wow. <laughs> it's it 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 was still before. <laughs> Because I believe an hour ago you you asked me what do you want to talk about and I was, was like I have no idea what to talk about. <laughs> um, anyways, so you you have a couple couple of one I think one was a poem and one was a quote. I might be messing that. Yeah, up. Yeah, I'll just read them back to back to back. Sure. What you want me to do. Yeah. yeah, the first was by Wendell Berry. He was a kind of an environmentalist, farmer, poet kind of guy, uh, and this pretty famous poem actually called "Our Re- Our Real Work." is the name of it and he writes it may be when we no longer know what to do we have come to our real work and when we no longer know which way to go we have come to our real journey the mind that is not baffled is not employed the impeded stream is the one that sings and so and then you know i coupled it with uh a writer who influenced uh, Rich Mullins, his name mm. is Brennan Manning, uh, wrote a, 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 quite a few amazing books. And if, for those that don't know, we did a, a Rich Mullins episode yeah. about a year ago. That That is, it, uh, had, it's had I, I think all our episodes are good, but that one has had a lot of listeners. Oh, so okay. that one yeah. seems to, to stick out to some people. So he wrote, uh, The Way of Trust is a Movement into Obscurity into the undefined, into ambiguity, not into some predetermined, clearly delineated plan for the future. The next step discloses itself only out of a discernment of God acting in the desert of the present moment. The reality of naked trust is the life of the pilgrim 
who leaves what is nailed down, obvious and secure, and walks into the unknown without any rational explanation to justify the decision or guarantee the future. Why? Because God has signaled the movement and offered it uh, her presence and her promise. And who was the... I changed that, the pronouns there. Sorry. Who, was the, who was that second one? Uh, Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning. Name. So, yeah. So it's, it's again, it's, it's, a, it's a spirituality of failure. It's a spirituality of unknown, of, of being... Uh, it's the way of trust rather than certainty. Uh, I believe that's what faith originally was was is defined as you know that's what and, i was gonna that was a, i was about to pipe in and say like yeah that's my understanding of it was, faith it was the age of faith at the early church and then it became and is still the age of certainty and certitude and mm. age of of beliefs rather than faith uh which is you know and that's what turns most people off from the christian faith is that is this this uh, obsession with beliefs, mm. obsession with creeds and right ideas about God. Proving people wrong. Proving the others wrong, mm. but never having an actual inner experience of God yourself, uh, which would be an experience of love, mm -hmm. which would baffle you, which would... Uh, Transform you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's that, kind that's of amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing because that... Um, any spiritual experience I've had in my life, and I most of them, as I was having them, I didn't. It wasn't like, oh, I'm having a spiritual experience. No, it was like yeah. years later, looking back, like exactly. at a, at a moment, recollection, right? But it, but it, it seemed one of the the consistent things is it seems of, um, in some way, shape, or form, a melting of a certitude. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I, I know I've shared about this one, um, but when I was about 15, 14, 15, somewhere in that range, um, I'd become into a very depressed state and uh, had, you know, not, I, I guess this would be a, a trigger warning in and around suicide, but, you know, I had a lot of ideations around mm -hmm. that topic. Um, and I didn't, uh, act on any of those ideations, but I thought about it. Like looking back, the the hours I spent uh, thinking about that was, I don't know how I did anything else at the time because mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about it and like um, not romanticizing it, but like planning it on a certain level. Yeah. And I thought I dealt, dealt with that. Um, and then at a meditation retreat about five years ago, I had this really incredible experience of just um, embracing my 15-year-old self. I had this like mm. visualization of em embracing my 15-year-old self and, and a lot of things were released. And it, it, it's more in depth than that, but a lot of things yeah. were released in that. And it was like, looking back, it's like, oh, I had dealt with the, the things I went through at 15. I had dealt with it logically, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, I don't Just really incomplete. Yeah, I don't really want to take my life. I was, you know, I was young and young and dumb, as they say. But I, you know, I don't. I, I'm simplifying it. And then in that moment, however many years later, I dealt with it on a heart level hmm. and melted, melted what I thought I had, quote unquote, dealt with. Right, right. 
I integrated, I guess would be like yeah. a word that you and I have talked about. And I, I feel like Richard Rohr talks about integrating that stuff. Right. Um, and so even though, you know, you asked me 24 hours prior to that experience, like, Oh yeah, you know, I, Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's been healed. That's good. That's yeah. I've dealt with that. You know what I mean? In a yeah, nice clean way. And then out of nowhere, you just get, you know, you get hit in the stomach and, and then it's dealt with, yeah. you know, and, and I don't, I wouldn't even refer to, I wouldn't use that same vocabulary today. You know, like I said, it's probably been integrated. It's a part of my life now. Yeah. It's a part of my journey. It's, it's made me who I am at, at this point in my life. And, um, yeah, I think I've mentioned, you know, I was chronic, I've been chronically ill my entire life with different, you know, problems and, so I'm used to, you know, going to the doctor or the hospital and throughout my life, right? And so when it's my It's been an ongoing journey. Yeah. So when I was 23, my uh, younger brother was killed in a car accident suddenly. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a slow motion car wreck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess it would be sudden, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he was 21, and so I took the same medical approach to that experience, that loss. In what sense? I, I went to a therapist and said, I want to deal with this now. Oh, uh, as if I she could give you're... me some drugs to just take these pills and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I said, yeah, I want, to, I want to do the work I have to do now so that mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't go crazy later. That was my 23-year-old my approach. Mm -hmm. And she said... Which... which there's some truth in that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> if you deal with something, <laughs> if you try to not deal with something, it's going to come down yeah. later down the line, I guess would be the way to say it. Anyway. So, so then she said, hey, do you, did your parents ever mark your height as you were growing? And she was like, and I can see you haven't grown much, but you're, no, she didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but she said, you know, remember how your parents would mark, you know, with the ruler and the little notch on the wall with a pencil, uh, you know, your, the, the, your yeah. height. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, mine didn't go up very far, you know. And she said, uh, uh, during that process, could you make yourself grow mm. taller? And, and you know, and I realized, yeah, no, I can't. I can't will this. Yeah. This is beyond being willful. Yeah. And so it kind of, yeah, I realized there's no escaping the grieving process here. Uh, and it, And it's... And there's no escaping the wound for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a hard, you know, it was a hard ass lesson to mm -hmm. be confronted with at 23 when, you know, I didn't want to be inconvenienced, yeah. you know, through with grief. And I was a, I was a, I was a rising star preacher and, a, <laughs> and, a, a, and, and you a, just started teaching, right? And I was a I teacher remember. too, an English teacher. Yeah. And so, Yeah. Well, and I, I think it kind of goes back to something you and I have talked about quite a bit on this podcast, but um, you can you can cultivate a space for community, but that doesn't mean community is going to show up. Yeah, exactly. You can cultivate the space for a spiritual experience um, or a divine encounter, but that doesn't mean it's going to show up. Yeah. You know, and, and especially on our time, right? Like we have our human brains are used to having goals and deadlines and right. boom, 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 um, which are good things to help us navigate the world. Um, but when it comes back to some of this stuff, you know, especially what we're talking about here with this idea of being complete, 
being yeah. perfection. Even, you know, even that space, you know, I, I hear people, oh, I, I fall short because I don't, I don't love my enemies. It's like, well, yeah, most people don't love yeah, their enemies. Exactly. It's, you know, it's something, it's, it's one of those things to sort of shoot for. And, and, um, I think the way you said it earlier of like, you practice it and eventually you embody it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's once again, it's not on our, we don't get to set the time. Yeah. Right. Sort of like the example you just gave, like we can mark the growth yeah, and look back at exactly. it retrospectively, but that doesn't mean um, you're going to hit certain things at certain points. Um, and to assume you will is, is at least in the spiritual sense is, is I think kind of off base with how yeah. it unfolds. In fact, that reminds me about 10 years later. So by this point I'm in my early thirties, mm -hmm. I was pastoring a church and we were going through a minor fractured kind of thing, a mm -hmm. split, a church split and people that I loved, I felt betrayed by, mm -hmm. very betrayed by, and, right. and they felt the same by me, you know, and right. in case they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in folks. Uh, but I was definitely Ukraine and they were Russia. No, <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, and yeah, and I, and I talked, I was talking to a therapist about it. He was asking, you know, what's, what's been your experience with being a past, you know, he was just kind of being a conversation. It was actually Marsha's main therapist. And I came in mm. as a, as a guest speaker, as the cause of her therapy. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I wanted to meet the cause of your wife's. <laughs> and so, so I told him, you know, yeah, we're going through, you know, these betrayals, I'm dealing with this betrayal and I'm hurt and. And, and I use that, yeah, probably very much you, trying to bypass the process of feeling that betrayal mm. and to spiritualize it. Well, I right, love, right, right. I want to love my enemies and I want to turn the other cheek and I want to. And so he kind of, he didn't interrupt, but he was like, uh, have you ever read the Psalms? And I was like, yeah, I've read the Psalms. Of course I have. <laughs> and he said, what do you think of those Psalms that like, you know, want their babies to be dashed to the ground and killed and. Mm shit like that, you know? And, uh, and I was like, and so that, so I went out and read some of those Psalms out in the desert and I realized, yeah, that's not where I'm at. I don't want their children to die. Right, 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 right. So this is good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was able to identify what I really wanted for them as far as revenge. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to just be publicly embarrassed mm -hmm. at some point, you know, where they set themselves up to be right. The, the, I don't know what's when the they've word. Turned your back, their back on you. Well, they no, they go into some public situation where they're expecting an award to oh, be an accolade, yeah, and yeah. It turns out they were actually hired to sweep the floor. <laughs> so you know that kind of thing, and uh, and I realized I was able to identify where my feelings were at is what I'm trying to say, and and that and that's where the growth mark was, you know, not uh, not I was not at the place where I'm turning the other cheek or, mm -hmm. or you right, know, but I wasn't at the place where I wanted their children to die right, yeah. either. <laughs> So <laughs> you weren't witching death on their children. Well, I think even in the spiritualizing it, even, you know, in the passage, Jesus says, you, you know, you'll be persecuted or something to that. Yeah. And you're, you can just be like, oh, this is me being persecuted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was definitely that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I definitely had a martyr. <laughs> yeah. A martyr kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. We're, we're getting you feel good. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. yeah. I think I think uh we're right right on time and uh it's almost lunchtime. It's time to get some grub, baby. <laughs> um thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. David Morrison, thank you everyone for listening. Uh once again, we appreciate your support and uh um 
by the time this is released, uh, we will have our YouTube page up for the ASL translation of Desolate Beauty. Um, so, Kirsten Helm. Thank you, Kirsten Helm, for that. Um, and I will. I, we don't have a YouTube name yet, but we will have one, and I will. David and I will be putting it out uh, to everybody, letting you know what that is. Um, as always, thank you, Danny West, for the editing and sound engineering. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jacob Nedia, for the monk drums. That's what you hear in the background. Um, and thank you all, as always, for uh, for listening. We really appreciate your um, support and um, going on into our third year of of, um, of podcasts. So thank you all. Yes, sir.